You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. So what have we been elected to? We'll go back to our, our, our text of scripture. And, uh, and, and I want you to think about this, that we are to be that light, that we are to be the, those people, whereby people come to the correct conclusion of who God is and what God looks like and what he is seeking to do in and through his people. So it is a privilege that carries a great responsibility along with it. When Jesus calls you to follow him, it's not into a life of sitting around and resting in his presence. That's a part of this spiritual journey, but it should only be a part, not the entire focus. Jesus calls us beyond just being students under his teaching. He equips and empowers us to go out and share his gospel with the world around us. He's sent us out to that. And as Pastor Mike will explain in today's message, it's our responsibility to represent that gospel as accurately as possible. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 as he begins his message to the praise of his glory. The text that we're going to be treating is Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, and right up and through verse 12. And this is where we left off last time, because in the introductory message, we only covered the first three verses of chapter 1. So let's read verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The first gift, and if you're taking notes, write this down. He has chosen us. Now, I want you to think about this. This is the marvelous, although granted, sometimes confusing doctrine of election. But this, this doctrine shouldn't be confusing at all. Remember, I said in the introductory message last time that there are 27 doctrines uh, that are addressed in this one book of the Bible, in six chapters. Think about this. That's why the book of Ephesians is so rich and so full, and it happens to be one of my favorite books of the Bible. And I'm really excited about sharing this new series of studies. 27 doctrines within, this, within six chapters of, of this book of the Bible. How crazy is that, right? And so the first of which is, right, he hath chosen us. Now, we shouldn't be confused about this doctrine, and that's what it is, the doctrine of divine election. Basically, what it is suggesting to us is simply that our salvation begins with God and not man. 
And that's the way that we ought to address this particular doctrine. I'll give you a couple of cross-references to validate that claim. In John's Gospel in chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus said there, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Now we're going to talk about the basis of God choosing us in just a little bit, so hang in there. Let me give you another cross-reference. In Luke's Gospel, in chapter 19 and verse 10, there we are told, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So this whole thing began with God. You know, I think about my own experience. I, you know, well, God was working, orchestrating some of the details, prompting me, driving me to himself. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, he, he was the one who took the, initiate, uh, the initiative to look for me. He was the one who found me, right? And probably all of you have given the opportunity to share the, the very same uh, testimony of how you come to know the Lord. And so God, in his love, seeks the sinner. Notice what it says here, that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Before even God called into existence the physical universe, God knew you, right? He knew everything about you. And he knew exactly about all of the details leading up to your conversion experience, making that decision for Christ and being born again of the Spirit of God. Even before the world was created, he knew us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Something to really kind of trip on if you think about it, right? And so the, the whole idea, you know, people say, well, you know, this whole thing of divine election, if God chose me, then uh, he just chose me. And that secures my eternal destiny and my salvation, so why do I really need to work on it? Because if he, you know, it, it, the, they follow along this line of thinking, you know, God has chosen some to salvation, but then he's chosen others to eternal damnation. But that's not it. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter that it's his desire that none should perish, but that all men and women should come to repentance. So that doesn't hold water. That's not consistent with what the scriptures uh, teach us. Simply, he chose us before the foundations of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 2, and uh, I was going to wait a little bit to, to uh, address this in one of the other gifts that I'm going to mention and draw to your attention here in our text in just a moment. But I want you to, you know, let's talk about election. And this would also encompass the word predestination. You know, predestination is a very lengthy subject, but basically, and, and it's also an, a very confusing one uh, to many people. But I think this sheds some light upon it. We are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. I mean, it's just as simple and black and white as that. Okay, I always use this as an example, and, and don't fault me for using this example because I'm a sports guy, all right? Uh, growing up, I played baseball, I played football, I played basketball. I don't do much of those things. Now I just sit down in my easy chair and watch them on TV, you know. But, uh, but you know, when I did play, and especially like on my block growing up, I mean, that's what we did, you know, when we got out of school, man, I we, that's where I was. We ran on the streets playing stickball, basketball, throwing a football around, and, uh, and we, we grew up in this neighborhood. There was a ton of kids. So after school, we would all get together, and then we would choose up sides, and then the two teams would go at it against each other. And if I happened to be the captain, I would choose on the basis of the person whom I was choosing my knowing how that they performed, you see. 
you know, you choose the best. You've been in that situation before. If you were a good player, let's say you were a good football player, you would probably get picked in the first round, right? But if you were a stinky football player, you were usually the last person to get picked. And so it is with the Lord. God chooses us. He elects us on the basis of the foreknowledge of God. How that you would respond to his promptings and his grace within your life, you see. You understand that? So it's not some confusing subject. God foreknew that you, through his promptings, through his grace, through his orchestrating the details, would in fact give your life to Christ. And on that basis, he chose you on the foreknowledge of God. Now, does that make any sense to anybody? Okay, we got it? Now, if you have any further questions concerning this subject, you can see Pastor Jose after the service, <laughs> and he'd be happy to clear it up for you. So elect according, he's a lot smarter than I am. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification, the setting apart of the Spirit, for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you, and peace be multiplied. And uh, also, as I've, I already cross-referenced 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, just in case you're wondering about this whole idea, I already mentioned it. I, I don't know if I need to mention it again. You know, that wrong thinking, well, God has chosen some people to uh, salvation and then others, he's chosen them to damnation. You know, that, that's not where God is at. That's not where his head is at. Uh, again, what does it say there in 2 Peter in chapter 3 and verse 9? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, therefore, now think about this. In the Bible, election is also always unto something. Let me uh, give you an example of this. When God chose Israel in the Old Testament time, he chose them for what purpose? That they might be a light to the world. Now, in the same way and sense, in New Testament times, that's what the church is all about. God has now called us to be the lights of the world, right? That people would be able to look to Christians and, and, and understand something about their relationship that they have with God. All light shining in the midst of darkness. You know, isn't it interesting, the figure of Christ in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2, when John, he's in exile on the Isle of Patmos, and he's worshiping the Lord on the Lord's day, and from behind he hears a sound likened unto a trumpet, and he turns, and he sees, he sees this figure, who, which I believe is Jesus Christ, no doubt, by the way that he's depicted there in worship as such, and he's clothed in the garments of the high priest, and he's standing in the midst of seven golden candlesticks, which is the menorah, Right? Which, which is a symbol of light, right? They would light the menorah. In the Old Testament, it was placed within the temple in a prominent position, and it represented how that Israel was to be a light to the, uh, to the world, to the Gentiles, right? And in the same sense now, we, as members of the church, are to be a light unto the world. Jesus is in the midst of us. You know, the thing about it was that the menorah was the light bearer, but not the illuminator. And that's why Jesus is seen in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. You see, he is the, we're just the light bearer, but Jesus is the illuminator. Think about that, right? Isn't that true? 
right? There's no light unless Christ is at the center of our, of our own lives and particularly at the center of this uh, church. Okay, so anyway, going back to this illustration, this example. In the Bible, election is always unto something. And it is a privilege that carries a great responsibility along with it. So, uh, so what have we been elected to? Well, go back to our, our, our text of Scripture. And, uh, and, and I want you to think about this, that we are to be that light, that we are to be the, those people, whereby people come to the correct conclusion of who God is and what God looks like and what he is seeking to do in and through his people. So it is a privilege that carries a great responsibility along with it. Now, let me ask you a question. Does the sinner then respond to God's grace against his own will? Think about that question. And the answer to that question is absolutely not. You see, he responds because God's grace makes him willing to respond. Let me give you a text of scripture to validate that claim, a cross-reference. In 1 John chapter 4, in verse 19, the Bible there tells us that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Isn't that true? I mean, and, and uh, you know, think, of that, think about this in maybe your own personal relationships that you've had uh, now that you're married and uh, your spouse wooing you kind of a thing. You know, try and maybe on, you know, when you first met, you really weren't interested in him. I'll just use the, the male example of this here. And, uh, but you were, just, you, know, you were just taken by your wife's beauty, as I was. I hope my wife is listening in the back room now. <laughs> and uh, you saw that perfect, and you were wooing them, right? And you wanted to be engaged in a relationship with that person. You were taken by their beauty, or whatever, their personalities, or, or whatever. And you did everything that you possibly could do to get their attention and to get the desired response. And that's exactly what God has done for us in Christ. He wooed us. Isn't that true? Right? We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Okay, so the first gift, what was it? He has chosen us. Let's go on. I hope I, I don't know if I'm going to get through the, all of this this morning, but we don't have to rush through it. The second gift... Go back now to our text in verse 5. He's adopted us. Let's read verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Okay, so the second gift that's mentioned here is that God has adopted us. And it's here that we meet the word predestined or predestination. But, you know, if you're taking notes, just write this down. Write the word predestination down. And next to it, here, here is the definition. It's a basic biblical definition of what, you know, people have made this into something that it really isn't at all. Simply, it means to ordain beforehand or predetermine, as what is our salvation. I'll give you another example of this. How about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? In the book of Acts, for example, in chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, the Holy Ghost has just been poured out upon the believers 
at the Feast of Pentecost. And uh, they begin to speak in these other languages. And that provided a platform for Peter to address the people who had come rushing in to see this miraculous event that was taking place. So Peter seizes on the opportunity and he begins to preach Jesus Christ. And the result of it, by the way, I think was 2,000 people or 3,000 people got saved in that one day, in that one moment. But as he's addressing the crowd, I want you to notice what he says. And he, and he, 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 refu- he uh, uh, uses, if you think about it, the term, or he is suggesting the term predestination. Him, he's speaking of Jesus now, he's preaching Christ, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands of crucified and put him to death. Remember now, for the most part, he's addressing a Jewish crowd. But notice what he says concerning the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. These things were determined, or we can use the word interchangeably, predestined. These things were worked out in the councils of God before the foundations of the world. So do you get it then? That, and basically, that's all that predestination means. So our, our salvation would fall into that category. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ would also fall into that category. Conformity into the image of Jesus Christ for all of us would also fall into that ca- category. You know, we've all been called, we've all been elected, we've all been saved for a particular purpose. And what is that purpose? To be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We've been predestined to that end. Do you see? So we shouldn't be confused about this, this whole idea of, of predestination or election. Now, the term adoption, granted, might be a little misleading for some of us, because think about this. You do not get into God's family through adoption. You rather get into God's family through the new birth, by being born again of the Spirit of God. So think of adoption, then, as the act of God by which he gives those who have been born again an adult standing in his family so that we can immediately begin to claim our inheritance and enjoy our spiritual wealth and all of these gifts that we're talking about. So therefore, a Christian is born functioning the way God wants him to function. And so whether you're a new believer, you got saved last night at a crusade, or however you come to know the Lord, or you've been walking with the Lord for as long as I've been walking with the Lord, when you're born again, at that very moment, I want you to understand that you're born functioning the way that God wants you to be functioning. And so there's no excuses for you to fall into that sin that you used to be involved in, right? And, uh, you know, we coddle people. Uh, too much, I think, even within the Christian church. There's no reason for you to continue in your sin. God has given us ample resources and gifts available so that we, our lives might change. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he has become a new creation or creature. Old things, O-L-D, old things have passed away, excuse me, and all things have become new. And that's true for the brand new babe in Christ, as is true for the senior pastor of the church. You're born, it's just the resources that God immediately makes available. Now, you gotta, granted, you've got to learn how to use the gifts 
and understand the resource. Some Christians are never taught what they have available to them. And thus they, re, they continue to remain impotent in their relationship with the Lord. And they never go on to maturity as we are encouraged to in the word. I mean, a baby can't legally use their inheritance. So think about that, right? You know, Galatians chapter 4, sometime during the week, read Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And basically it talks about a baby cannot take advantage of or get their hands upon their inheritance. And so Paul just uses that as an example. And so it's true within the Christian church. So we were born adults, if you were, if you would, okay? Because you can't remain an infant and then use the gifts. There's no way that that can happen. But now as an adult son or an adult daughter, you can and should. You don't have to wait until you are an old saint, like myself, before you can claim your riches in Christ. And that's the point. And so the second gift, what was it? We've been adopted. The next gift, let's go on. He has accepted us. Let's go back to our text. Let's read verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. The beloved is just another way of referring to Jesus. He's the beloved. So he has accepted us. And listen, gang, we cannot make ourselves acceptable to God because of the lack of consistency within our lives. Yeah, it's true. You know, there are some days when we're on a roll, you know, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're right, right in the middle, in the center of God's will for our lives. Can you imagine being a parent and, uh, you know, one day, you refer to your son or your daughter as your son or your daughter, and then when they misbehave, which kids growing up is like every other day, right? Oh, man, all of the phone calls that we used to get from the principal at Bubba. Bubba's not here today. He got sick yesterday at the marriage enrichment seminar. We used to get all of these phone calls. I remember, uh, and this is mostly in junior high school, and, uh, you know, he's going through that tweeny thing, and, you know, they're just crazy in, in that moment. But uh, I remember sending him off the first day. And the year before, the semester before, the school year before, he had gotten in trouble so many times, right? And I remember the first day my wife and I were sending him off. I said, if I get a phone call you know, from anyone from the school, we're sending him off. This is the first day now, mind you, right? And uh, I'm going to be very upset with you, OK? So off he goes. And the, the very day in, before, they dismissed the very first day. Guess what? We got a phone call from the principal. And uh, you ever see these kids walking around with their jeans like halfway down? And they like to show their underwear. They, use, they wear the flannel underwear in the back. And uh, their belt is like down here, right? Bubba, he didn't leave like that. But he was in the class. And I guess he got up. And his pants fell down. And so that was the reason why we got the call. Father's house, there's a place for me in my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. 
You can also listen online by going to the Resources tab, or you can find them on One Place and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Fenizio. Viewing our recent services in their entirety can be an option as well through Vimeo. Just follow the link at our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're ever in or near the Midtown Manhattan area and are looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here, and you can reserve your seat at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, don't hesitate to give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram by following the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.